Welcome to the Rise Podcast. I am Nuna Isi Ma. If you are new to the podcast, this is where we explore how to transform trauma into sovereign power, soulful purpose, and sacred pleasure, so that you can have the success and fulfillment in all your life circles and be the woman you are born to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rise. I'm so honored to have Annie Brooke with us. She is so aligned with the message of the summit, and her work is phenomenal. Let me read you her bio. Uh, Annie Brooke, PhD, LPC, body, mind, centering teacher, movement educator, somatic author, has written nine books and seven e-books to share the tools for healing. Annie is former director, body psychotherapy for Naropa University, MA in somatic psychology. She is a passionate speaker, seasoned therapist, and highly sought educator. Annie blends somatic body awareness practices with a deep understanding of the roots of trauma and destructive behavior. Her method of healing complex trauma called applied neuroplasticity helps people who have tried many other methods. Any helps infants to adults, couples and families, has worked with gang youth, sexually abused foster children in children's hospital in Auckland and Seattle, in the child trauma centers, and has been a therapist in the public schools. Her work is dynamic, effective, and efficient, and she loves to share the tools that heal. Thank you so, so much, Annie, for taking the time to be here and share your wonderful work. I can't wait to dive into it. I am so glad to be with you and to support your audience because we all heal together, right? It's not in isolation. So your work is a gift and we will have fun talking. I have no doubt. Um, I love that you approach healing from the somatic uh, point of view, which I, in my own experience and my own personal healing, as well as uh, assisting many other people, I know that this is really the gateway to heal trauma. And I really want you to speak a little bit about your tools and, and what is somatic healing and, and what your work. Okay. I think one of the first things we can start with is I'm just going to have everybody rub their hands together because somatics is something you have to feel. And I want you to get a, a feeling of First, rubbing your hands, and then imagine you had a breathing ball and you could start to feel not just, you know, first somatic starts out as an idea, and then you have to look for the sensation. It's like being a little detective. So you want to see, imagine that you could feel your cells, literally your cells breathing. And the reason we do that is so often people lock up. When there's any kind of trauma, they freeze. And then they talk on top of a freeze. And that means the body is getting left behind. So sometimes when people come to see me, you know, they'll be talking a mile a minute and their breathing is like that. And we're like, whoa, let's slow down because it's six to 10 times slower for the body to catch up with the emotions and the thoughts. And we don't wanna be ahead of ourselves or outside of ourselves watching it. And this, you know, when we, um, so in the background, now that you know how to do a little cellular breath, you can yet let your hands relax and actually turn your head a little. We'll have everyone just practice a few of these things because we're gonna be talking about a topic that could activate people. You know, and we don't want anyone being re-traumatized. That's not good for your healing. So anytime you 
get activated or you find yourself thinking about the past or difficulties, I want you to pause. Just stop, take a big breath. Oh, look around. That helps you orient to present time and your environment so you can see things that are beautiful. I have lots of art. I paint with my grandkids and we paint on cardboard and I put it on the walls and, you know, color or beauty so that you know that you survived, right? Life is not forever a problem. And part of that is training your brain to integrate the experiences that have happened, but not to fixate on them. And the brain will fixate on things to try to solve it. And that's why if it was really complex and sexual abuse is complex, the brain wants to figure it out, but we don't want to. We want your body to integrate and heal and to be able to put it down and reconnect in present time. So cellular breath is a really good thing to have the ability to turn your head and to ask yourself, how am I orienting? A baby orients to the mother when they, a baby's first born and they look in the eyes and they see each other. And I think the baby says, oh, do you know about the spiritual world? And the mother says, welcome to earth. It's like a orienting. And throughout development, an infant needs to orient. It needs to feel safe and comfortable in order to explore life. So often with sexual abuse, that safety is confused. And that is one of the biggest issues is it interrupts the ability to relax and trust. Trust yourself. Should I even trust myself? I can't tell, right? Yeah, so body-based tools will help all of your people interested in healing to heal from the bottom up, what I call the inside out. And for those who don't know, the word somatics just means soma means body. And we're just coming back to tools and resources to use when memories activate. Right. And I would really like you to talk about the term neuroplasticity and what does that mean? Um, yeah. When there's, there's a overwhelm to the system and sexual abuse overwhelms the system, especially if it's a child and it's an adult abusing, the energy is too big. A child's body isn't ready for an adult sexualized energy. And that becomes overwhelming. Now, what neuroplasticity means is that you're going to work with what I call a brain state. And a brain state is almost like a whole experience reliving itself or an activation. And it will have emotions. It'll have, it's seductive, actually. A brain state is sometimes like a trance. And often people go into a trance to survive something they can't metabolize. And so I, I uh, really started working with so deeply brain states because that's where you can make changes that last. And that's what I want for people is applied neuroplasticity means that you are using the tools and staying grounded while your brain rewires. And that rewiring can feel uncomfortable. That's why you use the tools to sometimes ignore your emotion or to not believe what your brain is trying to tell you is happening because sometimes you're in a past moment. So with applied neuroplasticity, you the, get to be your own healer with the support of the tools. And literally, I had one client, I remember I was 
with her and she was trying to rework very infant uh, uh, you know, difficulties. And she said, oh my gosh, if I feel all this discomfort in my body, but I stay present, my brain is like rewiring. I can feel it happening. So brain state is often like being hijacked. And so you want to know when you're in a brain state that's related to any abuse history. And you want to pause, learn the tools so that you can allow the, the event to metabolize out of your system. And this is where it gets interesting because emotions have a chemical signature. That means they're very, you know, charged up. That's why people get emotional. And anything we have to stuff down or ignore or pretend didn't happen or escape from has a charge that didn't get processed. And so those chemicals, uh, this is a little neuroscience for people, is that, uh, well, let's all do this again. Let's rub our hands. We'll do it experientially. I'm going to teach you about the sensory motor loop. Now put your hands out in front and just imagine you're gathering sensation. You're gathering it in. And really, you have to kind of gather it all the way around to the back. Because in our spine, we have nerve roots out each sides of the spine. It's hard to show, but let's do it this way. Put your hands like this. That's your center spine. Now, on each side, there's two little nerve roots on each side of the center spine. And the nerve root in the front, that would be the front for you, I think, is the motor nerve. That means we move. The nerve coming in the back is the sensory nerve. That means we sense. And in health, we sense and we move, right? We don't sense and get frozen because it's traumatic because then the sensory impulse has to go somewhere because it's got energy in it. So it goes into our body and it sits there. And then when we have a new experience years later, we can't process. It goes to the old memory. And so we want to refresh our sensory motor loop. And that means, practically what that means, is you have to be ready for very uncomfortable sensations to rise up, but you don't get hijacked to becoming them. And the key, I call it staying on the surfboard. So you ground, you slow down, you tell yourself, oh, this is my trauma healing. This discomfort is my healing of my past trauma. So you don't get scared of it. And you don't try to make it go away. Or you don't want to use a substance to not feel it. Right? That's what addiction does. So you have to kind of stay steady and you can even if you're really we're jumping deep fast. I hope that's OK. Yeah, this is absolutely. Our, yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. Because I, I really want people to be able to go, oh, I can heal this. There is a way because I just want to cry for a minute. You know, I've seen the suffering of people their whole lives. And if you can start to take charge of your own experience and heal it, you don't have to suffer forever. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that affirmation. You definitely don't have to suffer forever. And I love how you mentioned um, the discomfort that comes when we're actually going through the healing process uh, and the, the mind is rewiring and it's really sitting with that discomfort and that will move away that will shift away it will not be forever it will not stay with you forever and you've been mentioning tools to to assist and and guide you on that journey and the you share the um, you know the sensory tool and 
are there any other tools you can share with our audience yes. to... mm -hmm. the, the things you want to do some people get flooded emotionally it feels like they're washed away and you don't even know from the outside but the person having it happen they're really struggling i'm still a little moved by our topic they're really struggling to even stay present to even think clearly so if you're someone who gets flooded you get that washed away feeling what you want to do is push against the chair stand up and push against the wall because my little green book back there it's called help for sensory challenges proprioception is the foundation of regulation regulation means we can stay in our body even when there's stimulation happening so if someone starts to get sensory overwhelmed it could be auditory it could be they have a a trigger a memory come up or they see something that reminds them of the past then you're getting sensorily triggered even not maybe in what's happening in present time so I'll come back to that. That's called associative memory. But just in terms of pure perception, if you're getting flooded, you want to find proprioception. That's weight and pressure. So you could give yourself a big hug. That would be a tool. You could push against the wall. And you don't want to push like this, the kind of don't come in push, because then you're rigid. See how rigid my arms are? You want to receive the information into the body. So it means, oh, I exist. So you could even, you know, no one has to know you're doing it. You could put your hands on top of your head and push and take that energy down your spine. Because then your body remembers, oh yeah, I'm here. Your brain goes, oh, I, you know, I can use my perceptions. I can look and see and hear. And that's how we tell if we're safe. So being able to push is a good way to, like I'm pushing on my chair, you know, you don't even, no one has to know you're doing it, but you can regulate and not be flooded or overwhelmed. Another tool is to slow down. Like if you have a friend and they're talking fast and they're all so excited, you might find yourself getting excited trying to keep up with them, but losing yourself. So that's when you say, oh, really? You slow the conversation down. You have some verbal skills. I often will say to a client, oh, say that again. I really want to hear that. And it's so I can take it in. And I can help them find their breathing ball so that you have cellular breath and cellular presence. Now, another thing you can do, another tool, is you can get a towel or one of those fidget balls that you play with. They sell them, you know, in this for kids. But you can actually squeeze. And I have a... I don't have it right here, but I, I use a little short piece of a hose, a garden hose, and I have people twist it because then the information is coming into the body about, you know, if you're mad, you can twist a hose or you can twist a towel. Some people do this cathartic pillow hitting. That's okay a little bit, but it's good to learn how to keep your eyes open and look around and feel a charge without having to have a big drama. Because life, you know, you don't want to hit a pillow every time you're angry. You want to learn to tolerate sensations and expand and condense. Yeah, so right now, everybody, let's see. Can you feel your back body? Take a big breath and Oh, feel your back against your chair. Yeah, and then imagine you could feel your sides. So see if you can feel, oh, can I, can I bend over this way? Can I get spinal motion? 
Spinal movement is a good thing also to interrupt a freeze. And that's why orienting, let's try, oh, this is a fun, fun game. Take your hands again, and this time drag, my hands look really big when I do it that way, um, drag against your skin. I want you to drag against your palm and feel how it starts to turn you. I want you to see if you can feel and then let your spinal motion turn you. Now we're gonna do something in a minute with the eyes because often the eyes are what get us back into fear or they go into a memory in our hippocampus, associative memory, and we're not even seeing what's in front of us. So here, what I want you to do is let your eyes be the last thing, let them rest. Let them just kind of rest in their eye sockets. I call it rolling around like marbles, that they can just, oh, rest. And then go back to drag your hand a little and see if you can imagine the connection all the way to the spine and let that turn you, let your eyes be the last thing to come and then come back to center. And then turn the other way and let your eyes be the last thing. Do that a few times. Let your eyes be the last thing. And now as a contrast, so you can feel the difference, do that again and this time pull on your palm and jump your eyes over there and feel the difference. Drag and then jump your eyes. Yeah, let your eyes jump over there, jump and look. Yeah, and then come back. What did you notice the difference between them? Yeah, I've noticed that when I was moving my eyes slowly, I, I really took note of everything on the way. So there was like a pathway. Whereas mm -hmm. when I jumped my eyes, it took me a moment to orient myself. Yes. And oftentimes our eyes are jumping and we don't know. So we use our ears to make sure we hear and then our eyes to look. And a baby in development will... Like if they are on all fours and mama's behind and goes, hey, you know, the baby will actually sit and turn because they're taking the energy down the spine and supporting the eyes. And that's what we want. We don't want our eyes ahead of ourselves. And often when we're overwhelmed, you know, we'll start talking about sexual abuse in a moment, but I wanted your re your audience to have good tools. So you don't get activated. Yeah. One of the things I learned, yes, I, it's so important because healing is possible. It truly, truly is. And learning to um, notice a good feeling, a, not a sexualized good feeling from the past, but a true, honest, safe, I'm okay, I'm regulated, and being able to orient to that throughout the day and to be able to hold that even when you have a trigger. And that's how you can notice, oh, my shock is healing because I'm gonna stay in a good feeling and I'm gonna let all this discharge through my system. And what you do is you let it pass. You don't get on the band, you don't jump into it and become it. You go, okay, this feels really weird, but it's not happening now. And you let it pass. And every time you let it pass, the brain learns that you are the secure adult, that you are gonna stay there and let yourself heal. And you're not gonna be a forever traumatized little person if it happened when you were young or at a moment in time when you're not gonna be a forever overpowered person. You can stay, because literally those chemicals that get stored in the body because they don't process, start to release. And that's what's happening in the neuroscience is 
what was sitting inside your body stored in the synapses. Because what happens when there's too much sensory input and you can't process, it back bleeds down the sensory nerves and stays in the tissue. That's why people can get a massage and have a flashback. Or why for some people who have been abused and then they go to make love with their safe new partner or even their husband or wife and they get activated. They go into trauma. And then the partner gets exhausted, like, I don't know what to do here. I'm just, you know, this is normal. And it doesn't feel like that. It's because the sensory isn't reestablished. So I talked about pushing, yeah, pushing on something when you feel flooded. That would be a good time, you know, if you get triggered when you're making love with someone, you want to slow down, sort of move the sexuality a little bit to the background and become present again. And so proprioception is the, the building block foundation. The one on top of that is tactile and that's the skin. So another thing you could practice is getting your skin to wake up to safety again. And to do that, you can get um, occupational therapists use this. It's a white brush you can get and you brush your skin. Or you can get a washcloth that's a little bit rough and you brush your skin. You get used to the skin feeling safe because touch and sexualized touch is confusing. Think of the skin as the outside of your brain. It's very sensitive. And <clears throat> there's a little game in my uh, contact improv book. I think it's in the green book as well, but it's, I'll tell it to you because you can learn it and you can do it with your partner. If you get triggered with touch, you're wanting to make love with your partner and you're triggered with touch, you can stop and play the touch game. And what that is, is your partner will say, you, they'll use, they'll touch just your arm. Maybe you'll do other touching later, but you start out with just your arm and they're gonna say what they're gonna do. And then they're gonna do exactly what they say, nothing more. So you could say, I'm gonna rub, I'm gonna rub your skin from your shoulder to your wrist three times, and then you do it. Then you do exactly what you say. Then you could say, oh, I'm gonna pat your skin from your shoulder to your elbow and back. So you're getting the stimulation and you're knowing, you're hearing what it is and it's safe. It's secure. And then they're going to do, you could say, I'm going to pinch now. Here's another sensation all the way to your elbow and down to your wrist. And so what happens in the, the brain is tactile is getting regulated again. Okay, that's what brushing feels like. Oh, that's what pinching feels like. Oh, that's what you could ring the arm. And that can help you get back in your body to enjoy sensual touch. Years ago, I, when I worked with, does that make sense? Did I describe yeah, that? Yeah, well? absolutely, absolutely. I, I, you know, I've been through so much healing of sexual trauma myself. And, um, you know, I maybe haven't used what you just described as you described it as a tool, but I can recall back that, I really had to find trust again and find that safety within my body. So I, I totally resonate with what you're saying. And yeah, please carry on. It's, it's fascinating. And thank you for bringing sexual trauma into um, this conversation. Because, you know, when we talk about trauma, sexual trauma is so, you know, it's, it's just so... Uh, you know, predominant, and we can't talk about trauma without mentioning it. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, when I worked with the foster children who were sexually abused, I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I learned firsthand was, I thought, first off, I learned how to set limits for children in a good way. And even for yourself, you have to set limits. 
Like if you're having flashbacks all the time, you have to set a limit and say, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to heal that. We're not going to let ourselves live traumatized. And it's kind of like the limits you set for a two-year-old. Because a two-year-old has all these emotions and they're trying to fit inside their body. And so with a two-year-old, you don't ask them a lot of questions like, do you want to do this or that? That takes them to the wrong place in their brain. You give them a little bit of a direction. We're going to go to the store. We're going to find your shoes. You don't say, do you want to find your shoes? No, because you're going to take them to the store whether they want it or not. So you better give them a direction. We're going to get up and have breakfast today. You know, so you're not wallowing in your um, unhealed self. You're gonna get your nourishment, get your food in your body. Because sometimes when you're recovering, you don't wanna do anything and you can get very depressed. And that depression, it's okay to do it for a little while if you're being proactive. What that means is you're allowing, you're staying on the surfboard and you're allowing the depression. You're not running away from it. You're not medicating it away. You're gonna get to the bottom of it. And so maybe you put on a timer and you let yourself feel it for 20 minutes, that's all. Then you go for a walk, you get some exercise and you get some oxygen. I remember my husband died suddenly years ago and you know, I could feel my whole body get depressed. And literally to, to, to process a big event, there's a lot of intelligence going on that people don't understand. You know, you need to be able to go through some of that because you're coming to terms with it. But you don't want to get depressed and stay heavy and because you won't eat, you won't get oxygen and nourishment, your health will go down. So you wanna be able to, to meet your depression for little chunks of time. But then you could paint it, you could start painting or you could put on music and dance. I created a movement performance piece called A Widow's Story because I needed to process that big event. So don't lose your creative intelligence when you're healing. You know, paint on cardboard, it's inexpensive, get tempera paint, or, you know, dance or chop wood or something, you know, lift buckets, whatever you need to do to move it through the body is key. With the little uh, children, I learned one thing to set limits because I thought, oh, they've had such a hard life. I need to just give them good things to do. And they kicked me and they spit at me and they were they didn't feel safe because I wasn't giving them a container. And it's why I say this is that we in our healing process have to give ourselves a con healing container. Mm -hmm. That means we don't indulge ourselves, we actually heal ourselves. There's something called sneaky power, a term I coined. And sneaky power is when you're manipulating others or you're manipulating yourself. And it's usually from a dissociated state. I'm going to come back to that because this is a lot. So let's all take a breath, reorient, look around. Know where you are. If you're triggered, stand up and push on the wall or push on your chair or pull, you know, or get a towel and twist it a little because I'm going to start telling some stories. So one child I worked with was eight years old, but he was developmentally four and he had been locked in a closet as part of his abuse. So his perceptions were really messed with. So we're, we're doing a little music. I was the music director. And so I have him on my lap and we're sitting in a circle singing. And all of a sudden I'm starting to feel turned on. And I'm like, 
what is going on? I do not get turned on around children. Why am I feeling this? And I realized this kid is feeling this. He knows sexual energy way too early. So I just gently took him off my lap and put him next to me. But, you know, I was heartbroken. I was like, oh, my gosh. That's when I realized that a child system, and this can be abuse, not just sexual abuse. It can be having to run so much adrenaline. A child system can have way too big a charge than what they're supposed to have, than what they're capable of regulating. And being isolated and locked in a closet, you know, this kid didn't get regulation from parents, mirror neurons. So here's another tool. You can go get a hand mirror or pretend you have one. And what you do is you look in your mirror and you smile with your eyes. The amygdala is a part of the brain and it scans for danger, but it also can feel healthy and smile and feel safe. And you smile in your mirror until you receive from yourself. You go, oh, hello, I see you. Oh, I'm a good person. Oh, I exist. And it may take a little while. You may have to get through a little judgment or self-attack. I'd be very curious how many people do self-attack thinking as one of the strategies, I'll explain that in a minute too, because it's very prevalent when there's abuse history. But to finish with this little boy, I knew that that's what taught me that you really have to recover the body if you're gonna heal from abuse. Because I could tell that little child's body was doing things that were not right for his age. And, it helped me learn that so I could really help people explore touch and reclaim sensation and reclaim the body as good enough and possible for pleasure and not just braced and defended. Now, one of the dilemmas since I brought up sexual abuse is people who have been abused can sexualize their behavior. And that's really important to know. One woman I worked with it's very common if you've been abused that you're actually not in your body. You can be up on the ceiling watching, or you could be way deep in a cave, or you can be frozen and, and operating on top of a freeze response. Let's try this. Take your hands like this again. Get your breath. <sighs> yeah, feel your back body. Turn your head a little, let your eyes arrive last. Now, take your hands and move them again. And this time, freeze them. Notice what happens to your breath. If you really freeze, you might stop breathing. And then you might get used to the frozen and just start operating on top of it thinking, talking, doing everything you always do, but the inside is frozen. It's not what you want. So, oh, shake it out a little. <sighs> yeah, and get your movement again. Yeah, so you don't have to be frozen because once you freeze, the, 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 there's a cascade in the emotional brain. What happens is if the eyes, well, the amygdala is awake even in utero. That's why birth trauma is one of the things I work with is a baby can have a horrible birth and everybody else is celebrating. It's a misattunement because the baby needs to tell the story. And I worked with a six-week-old born C-section and she wouldn't settle into the mother until I could help the mother and the father tell the story of the birth and the baby got really mad because mom went away and then mom could say and i said mom you can't feel guilty now you got to just meet it and just say yes i did and the mother goes oh i went away i was so scared and then the baby could get mad and the mom and the mom could say but i'm here now and then the baby relaxed oh mama's back mama's here 
And then the baby got sad. That was the next emotion. And then the mother could feel she was sad too. They missed each other because of the C-section. And so the baby could feel its sadness. And then the baby got terrified. You know, just showing us all its terror. And the mom could feel her fear and the baby could process its fear. And the mom could say, oh, that was really scary. So the mom was using mirror neurons and saying to the baby, oh, you were scared, honey. I'm so sorry. That must have been so scary. And the baby finished the fear. And once it did, it totally forgave the mom. It was beautiful. It just went, ah, and then it just rested into the mama's chest. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to see the contact and the trust. And so sometimes we have to repair broken trust in our own body and our own ability to protect ourselves. So if there's abuse, often someone dissociates, they go up on the ceiling and watch or they get frozen and all the arousal happens around a freeze response. And then a person can kind of overly dress a little sexual, you know, they can overly sexualize and draw in sexual energy all the time that they don't really want, or they think they need it to survive. They think they need to be the sexualized goddess, when in fact, that's a lot of work. You can be that without having to display and get everybody's attention. You don't want that. So all these issues of self-worth, of what's familiar, recreating what's familiar, of releasing the past, of integrating it, and finding your true nature are how we heal from abuse. And the body tools make a big, big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to ask you, why self-attacking initially a good strategy? Well, it's not useful, but I can tell you the positive intent of it. Because if the body, the body, uh, there's a little neuroscience again, um, autonomic nervous system, they say, is below our awareness. Well, the yogis can hold their breath. You know, it's not exactly below our awareness. We can find it with training. And sometimes healing from trauma helps you find your nervous system and know what it's doing. So in health, we have the ability to have movement and play and excitement, and we have the ability to rest and digest. And that's how we stay balanced. We have a what's called a sympathetic is the word that's used in English for the active side and parasympathetic is for the rest and digest side. Now, some say there's also sort of a social, which has to do with the amygdala and the social groups, social safety. What happens is if the excitement gets too high, we, or, or you know, it feels like it's getting dangerous, we'll take that excitement and go into fight or flight. It means we'll, we'll move, but we're either fighting or running away. If you can't do either, you're gonna freeze. If you can't motor, you know, move, run, fight, protect, you're going to freeze. And if some more energy is still coming to you, like say a, a child is frozen and there's more arousal energy coming, they freeze. It's like um, fragmentation happens, which is a healthy survival. What that means, it's like if you took a rock and you threw it at ice, you know, you're outside in the water, the lake was frozen, you threw a big rock, it would crack. Or if you took a rock and you threw it at a mirror, it would break into pieces. Why that's a healthy strategy is if there's a predator, they're going to run after one of the pieces and someone will jump to the other piece. And then they'll run after that piece and they'll jump over there. So fragmentation is highly creative thinking. Jump, 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 jump. And if you're with someone who's doing that, you could feel like you're struggling to keep up with the conversation. How you heal that is you have to go out to the edge of the universe 
and get a nice big hula hoop or cotton gloves and you say, I'm just going to slow down and I'm going to get far enough spatially out and I want to hold so no part of you gets lost. And I've had people burst into tears when I do that. It's like finally they don't have to keep fragmenting themselves. And you can feel it. They start to actually feel their body more. They come into their body. And then and that's so that's how to heal the sympathetic fragmentation. It's also a portal into the parasympathetic freeze. Like, you know, if a wild animal and there's a predator, they can play dead. That's a more scary signal to the brain because once you're playing dead, um, and sometimes people will go inside into a cave or they'll go outside and just hang out in heaviness or depression. But the worst is if they go all the way down to the where the, the body gets the signal it's going to die, there's going to be a rush of adrenaline. And that's charismatic. It's like, oh, I couldn't, you know, this is what I call sneaky power. A lot of people teach their classes from this place. It's a spiritualized, seductive energy. It's got excitement in it, but it's not grounded. So why self-attack thinking? It has to do directly with this nervous system function. If you're frozen to be safe, you want to run away or fight. So there's so much chaos in abuse that you don't know, you know, know how to, you, you freeze with all the chaos. And so self-attack does two things. One, it motors, because an attack is a fight response. So it's keeping the fight response going, but then it's directed at the self. And sometimes that's giving a locus of control in an uncontrollable situation. Abuse is uncontrollable, but self-attack is like, I exist and I can fight. But the, the outcome of self-attack is it, it exhausts the brain. It's like worry. Worry and self-attack thinking are debilitating to the brain. So you want to really befriend and interrupt self-attack thinking. If you're self-attacking, get a punching bag and punch or punch a pillow or go run. Something to motor or squeeze that towel to motor the process. Now with abuse, sometimes you do have to do a little like pillow hitting or punching bag or tennis ball on the back of the garage door just to get some of that anger out of the system instead of it being frozen. But that's okay. And then you want to learn to regulate that. So you're not stuck in being angry forever. Right. I know we barely touch the, the you know, barely scratch the, the surface with this work because it's so intricate and multi-layered and, um, you know, it's a process. It's, it's, um, repetitive and 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 I just want to bring our conversation to a wrap because uh, yeah we we are approaching the the end of our session and yes. um, it's been really it's been really so interesting to to hear these uh, somatic tools and um, and your approach to to really bring it back to the body and and do the work from the body and um, I, I know that you have a, a, a gift to share with our audience. Um, yeah, it's a body-based trauma skills access. Um, would you like to uh, share what, what it's about so our audience yeah, can... I, have, I think I have a, a gift. You can, you can help me remember because I love giving things away. <laughs> I have a free PDF library. And so that is a gift with lots of resources in it. And then I think I have a special gift as well. I have an online course called Healing Complex Trauma. And so I have a, a reduced coupon for that. And your audience can use 
the coupon and really get the reduction in that course is a guided step-by-step -step and you see people in process because what I, I do part of it live so you get to see how does how do you work with this how do you apply it and it's to help you learn to work with brain states to work with your own regulation to work with all the way back to infancy so I love giving away, I, I give uh, access to my online course so you can practice this healing and feel supported. And so it, you can watch it at your own pace and um, move along the coursework with some guidance. Thank you so much. Uh, we will have a link on this page. So you're welcome to click on the link and register and get uh, all that uh, beautiful information that you any share so graciously with us thank you so much and yeah. if people want to work with you privately or follow your work what's the best place to find you the simple way is for you can follow my instagram account which is just annie brook therapy or i have facebook lives and a youtube channel or my website anniebrook.com and that Great. way you can contact me and and We'll see how we can help. And I hope this wasn't too scientific for people because it's not meant to be just all heady heady. It's really about your heart and your emotions and your thinking and to be able to tune your dial so that you can really orient to a life that's of joy and well-being, not suffering. Thank you so much. Uh, I certainly took a lot from, uh, from this conversation. And um, I thank you again for sharing your time and your wisdom with us. And um, we'll have all the links for your website and your social media. And yeah, for, for you, if you want to carry on this work through the body and heal trauma, here is a beautiful teacher right here. Thank you so much, Annie, and bless you and bless the sacred work you do. And, and have a wonderful summit with all the wisdom and all the sharing. And uh, I just want to wish everyone the best. And remember that there's wonderful teachers and resources, and then there's the commitment to your soul, the healing within. Thank you, honey. A pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Ciao. Uh -huh. Yeah, bye-bye.